Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. Oh boy, this one I remember I covered in a video on my original channel, and now it is time to revisit this one once and for all. Damien Sandow's run is the money in the bank contract holder. Now, I've heard so many people over the years since this happened, like, it's been like, what, almost eight years since this whole run happened? People saying, oh, Sandow should have cashed in and become world heavyweight champion when he cashed in on John Cena. No. No to the nth degree. I will still say this till the day I die. Damien Sandow was not meant to be world champion. Why? Because of one thing. His booking. So... Right here, I actually went through every televised match he had ever since between the time he won the contract and when he cashed in. And my God, the booking is laughable. There's also an article, or if I remember to do so, I'll try to put it in the description of this, uh, this episode of the podcast, that really put things into perspective to prove that Sandow was not going to cash in successfully. He had absolutely no chance. So, between the time that he won the contract at Money in the Bank 2013 and his cash-in on October 28, 2013, Raw, he had 27 televised matches, and he only won 11 of them. Problem, though, is when you look at these matches and which ones he won and lost and the booking and everything, you understand why there was a gigantic problem here. So let's begin here, folks. July 14, 2013, Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Damien Sandow became Mr. Money in the Bank. That's where it all began. The next night, July 15, 2013 edition of Raw, he would lose a one-on-one match to Christian in about three minutes. Not a promising start. And let's also not forget that during this time, like, at this point they turned Cody Rhodes' face because of the split with Team Rhodes Scholars, because of Sandow turning his back on Cody to win the contract. They had a whole segment on SmackDown during the build to SummerSlam where Sandow's contract was thrown into the into the wire. I think it might have been the Gulf of Mexico or something. Damian Sandow screaming, Help! I can't swim! And yet he jumps in the water anyway. Which is not a smart move to do when you know you can't swim. I can't swim, yet I'm still going to dive in anyway to get something that's in the water. That, that That's not a good move there. Anyway, let's continue. Match number two, he would win a match on the July 24, 2013 edition of Main Event against Justin Gabriel in about 10 minutes, 45 seconds. Now, the big issue there, Justin Gabriel was not really high in the totem pole in terms of his significance ever since the core broke up in 2011. So how does it take about almost 11 minutes to defeat somebody like Justin Gabriel? Usually when you look at somebody who's lower tier on the card, it doesn't take that long to beat them. Like, if you look at how wrestling was back in the 90s, it didn't take long to defeat enhancement talent. Only took a little bit. And yet it took almost 11 minutes to defeat Justin Gabriel. Two nights later, on the July 26, 2013 edition of SmackDown, Sandow would then lose to Randy Orton in about 11 and a half minutes. So three matches, he's already only won one match and lost two a few weeks later would be his next match, the August 12, 2013 edition of Raw. He would lose to Randy Orton again. This time it took about almost 15 minutes for Randy Orton to get the victory over 
Mr. Damian Sano. So, one win and three losses right there. And he went a few weeks without even having a match. Four days later on SmackDown, he would lose the match again to Christian in a little over nine minutes. So, already five matches in, he's only won one match. Two days later at SummerSlam in 2013, he would lose to Cody Rhodes in about six and a half minutes. Not a promising thing there, especially when your first pay-per-view after winning the contract means you lose in a pretty short-ish match. That's not a promising sign there. Next night, they would have a rematch between Cody Rhodes and Damian Sando on Raw, where Cody Rhodes would win in about ten and a half minutes. The following week, August 26, 2013 Raw, Damian Sando would team with Fondango in a tag team loss to Cody Rhodes in The Miz in less than three minutes. Oh no. Then the same week, on the August 30th, 2013 edition of SmackDown, he would lose in about two and a half minutes to Rob Van Dam. A few days later, September 2 edition of Raw, he would lose to Rob Van Dam in a little over ten minutes. So already ten matches, ten televised matches, he only won one of them at this point. And some of the already, like, three of these matches lasted, lasted like, three minutes or less. Oh, no. A couple days later, I made it on the September 4th, 2013 edition of Main Event, he would lose to R-Truth in less than 13 minutes. And again, R-Truth was not really that high in the totem pole at this point either. Like, really, R-Truth was only really looked at as, quote-unquote, high on the totem pole. Maybe, like, 2011 at the last time before he really became this whole comedic character. Five days later, on the September 9, 2013 edition of Raw, Sano would win his first televised match since that match against Justin Gabriel back in late July 2014, or July 24 main event by beating The Miz in a little under four minutes. Kind of surprising there. So now he is only won two matches out of 12 at this point. Oh, boy. Then it really sinks in. Four days later on the September 13, 2013 edition of SmackDown, he would lose to Santino Marola in two minutes. Oh, that's the kiss of death right there. Because Santino was never taken seriously in WWE. Always a comedy character. And you lose to the comedy character in two minutes. Three days later, September 16, 2013 edition of Raw, he would lose to Rob Van Dam in three minutes. Oh, Lord. Then two days later on the September 18, 2013 edition of Main Event, you get about a three and a half minute match out of Justin Gabriel for the win. So again, it takes seven minutes less to defeat Justin Gabriel compared to the match they had two months prior on Main Event. See, match number 16, the week after would be another Main Event match where he would lose in about three and a half minutes to the big show. Oh, not promising there. However, he would kind of redeem himself two days later on Superstars, where he would get a tag team victory with Big E over Justin Gabriel and Zack Ryder. I mean, Big E was not really rising just yet, but Justin Gabriel and Zack Ryder were very low on the totem pole again. So really, beating somebody like Zack Ryder in 2013 did not mean anything. Let's see, next up... The October 2nd, 2013 edition main event, it took him almost 10 minutes to defeat Santino Morella. Again, low guy on the totem pole, 
How does it take almost 10 minutes to beat a guy who is a comedy character that people do not take seriously? His next match, two days later, gets another victory over Justin Gabriel on the October 4, 2013 edition of Superstars. But again, doesn't really mean anything. Two days after that, on the October on October 6, 2013, which is the Battleground pay-per-view kickoff, you lose in almost 10 and a half minutes to Dolph Ziggler, who was also on the decline down the card compared to what he once was a few months prior being World Heavyweight Champion. The next day on Raw, you lose another rematch to Dolph Ziggler on the October 7, 2013 edition of Raw in about a little over 12 minutes. Four days later... October 11, 2013 edition of SmackDown. Lose a 12-minute match to Alberto Del Rio. Aye, aye, aye. Five days later on main event, October 16, 2013, he would get a four-and-a-half-minute match victory over R-Truth. Again, ain't meaning much. Tuesday, two days later on Superstars, October 18, 2013, he would get a victory over Kofi Kingston. And I'll get to Kofi Kingston at the last match because this is going to be pretty significant for the future. October 23rd, 2013 main event. He would get a five-minute victory over Dolph Ziggler there. Two days later, he would get an eight-minute match victory over R-Truth on October 25th, 2013. And then two days later, on the Hell in a Cell kickoff on October 27, 2013, he would get an almost seven-minute match victory over Kofi Kingston. But the problem, though, here is with Kofi Kingston, he was not exactly having a good 2013. Because I'm eventually going to discuss this in a future podcast episode. It's going to be a very lengthy one. Kofi was really in a bad booking spot throughout that year. In terms of his win-loss record in booking and decisions and everything. That right there that I just read to you folks. Was every, all 27 matches that, El, that Damian Sano had. Between the time he won the contract and when he before he cashed it in. 27 matches, 11 wins, 16 losses. By the time he cashed in, he only had a five-match winning streak, and he never got any major victories during this time. Like I said, the only wins he had were matches against one-on-one matches against Justin Gabriel, a win over The Miz, who was not really that, like, really doing that well during 2013, because, like, he wasn't really flourishing as a babyface really that much. Again, matches against Justin Gabriel, a pointless tag match with Biggie against Justin Gabriel and Zack Ryder. Bare, like a 10-minute match to finally defeat Santino Morella, and then only beating that guys like R-Truth, Dolph, and Kofi, who again weren't that high in the tonal pole at the time of the, those matches. So like you look at this stuff, absolutely nothing was done during Alberto or Damian Sandow's run as Money in the Bank. To elevate him to main event status to where Cashkin successfully with the Money Bank contract would have made sense. You don't have a win-loss record like that and get over towards the main event level to where you feel like a main event guy and actually deserve to be have a successful cash-in. And especially when you have the win-loss record like that where you're having a hard time beating a lower-tier guy and you're constantly losing to actual names. And then, of course, the night after Hell in a Cell, he unsuccessfully cashes in, and his career is never the same. Like, you look at how Damian Sandow was booked during this time, ask yourself this. Did he feel like a main event slash world title material 
like superstar at that point when he cashed in? Because if so, I dare you to prove me wrong. Because like he was not at that level at all. Damien Sandow, by the time he was ready to cash in Money in the Bank, did not scream main eventer. He had no major booking moments that got him to the main event level when he was cashing in. And in fact, if you want proof too, like I said, I'm going to read this article right here, but I'll put the link in the description if I remember to do so. That really shows what else went wrong. This is courtesy of the website called TheInquisitor.com. This article that I am reading from came from all the way back in June of 2017. It's an old saying in wrestling that if something gets hot in the business, you run with it. Unfortunately, a window can close on a performer very quickly just by WWE officials, mis WWE officials missing the chance. For a former WWE superstar like Damian Sandow, he fell victim to one booking mistake that had a big impact on his career in WWE. And former WWE writer Kevin Eck revealed a huge mistake Vince McMahon made regarding Sandow. After winning the Money in the Bank ladder match, Sandow began, to lo began losing a lot more matches than he was winning. Like I said, out of 27 matches, he won 11 and lost 16. McMahon explained at the time that the losses wouldn't hurt Sandow because he still had the briefcase. However, one of McMahon's favorite sayings is perception becomes reality. The perception was that Sandow wasn't world champion material, and McMahon eventually saw him that at way as well. Because again, booking means everything. Just because you are holding the briefcase does not mean you are going to get over to the main event level. You have to have booking behind you to justify being the contract holder and to eventually become world champion to where you cashing in and winning makes sense. And then there's one quote below here that really puts the death nail in him. When discussing Sandow at a booking meeting a few months after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, McMahon said, I think we went with the wrong guy. That is a big detriment to you in wrestling. If management loses faith in you at all, you're screwed. If management is high on you and then all of a sudden they lose interest in you, there's no recovery there. You have superstars who are getting pushed, and then all of a sudden, one little thing happens, management sours on you, management sours on you, and boom, down the card you go. It happens so frequently, and this is an instance of it. McMahon saw his own mess up by booking Sandow the way he did with this win-loss record and all these matches and everything. The fact that he never booked him to have a breakout moment to elevate him or anything. And then he said in a meeting, I think we went with the wrong guy. So at that point, as soon as management says something like that, there's no coming back. And after this, his career was never the same. Yeah, he had some popularity, at least in the fans from the crowd, for his Mizdow gimmick, but you look at everything else that he was doing, he was just dressing up in random outfits and everything. And then next, you know, after he lost a few with the Miz, which is like a flat moment, he did that temporary team with Curtis Axel as like the mega power ripoff, and then next thing you know, he's gone from the company. To anybody who is listening to this, do you still honestly believe, after what I've discussed here in today's episode, that Sandow would have been a rightful choice of cashing in money in the bank when it happened. Because I will stand by this point for myself till the day I die. He was not 
world champion material when you look at his booking as Mr. Money in the Bank. You do not go 11-16 and 16 on television with, where the only matches you win mean absolutely nothing and do nothing to elevate you and still become a main event guy. There was no standout moment that made him feel like a main event star because just holding the Money in the Bank briefcase does not mean you are going to get over to the main event level. It'll get some people talking about you, fact that maybe you could cash in, but that does not automatically mean you're going to be at that level. You have to have the proper booking behind you, and he did not have it. So let me know what you all think about this whole thing in the comment section below. And again, if you would like to read this article from The Inquisitor, I'll do my best to have it in the description if you'd like to read it for yourself. But I want you to, like I said, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Wrestling Business World Podcast, please leave a like, subscribe with the bell on, and all that other good stuff, and I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for watching, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and good day, everybody.